You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome, friends, to another episode of the Refined Hippie. I am your host, Rebecca Henson. If you are new to the show, thank you so much for joining us. And if you're a seasoned Refined Hippie Podcast listener, welcome back. I'm super excited about this episode with the Dr. Francisco Contreras from the Oasis of Hope Hospital in Mexico. But before we jump in, I just want to remind you all that my plant-based gut guide will be coming out in a few weeks. And if you would like to be notified right when it comes out, be sure to be signed up for my newsletter. You can sign up on the front page of my website, therefinedhippie.com. There's also a link on my Instagram if you go to the Linktree URL. There is a button there and you can simply sign up that way. So that should be coming out soon. I'm really excited about it. Uh, It's becoming more in depth than I had even thought because I'm, I'm really including a lot of information on why a plant-based diet is so good for your microbiome and the role that animal products play in decreasing the diversity of your microbiome. And it's going to be really, it's going to be really great. I'm super excited. I'm also going to include some recipes and I will have several different versions. So if you want the more elaborate version, um, there will be a small fee for that one, but I haven't really decided on uh, the cost and whatnot. So we'll see how that goes, but just be sure to be signed up. And if you are enjoying these podcasts, as always, please be sure to like and subscribe. You can also leave a review. This helps with SEO. It helps other people find the podcast. And I appreciate it so, 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 so much. So thank you for doing that. And we will just go jump right in. So today's episode is with Dr. Francisco Contreras, who is a cancer specialist renowned for integrating alternative therapies with conventional cancer treatments. For the last 38 years, he has treated tens of thousands of patients who have come from more than 60 countries seeking alternative cancer treatment at his Oasis of Hope Hospital in Mexico. He's spoken around the world and appeared on CNN, MSNBC, Fox & Friends, and he's also the author of 12 books, including his newest, The Art and Science of Undermining Cancer. So we got to chat. It was absolutely epic. He is absolutely an inspiration. We talk about alternative treatments. We get into uh, PET scans, the relationship with sugar and cancer, the role of diet in cancer, toxins in our food that come from our food industry, diabetes. We also discuss the emotional and spiritual side and needs of cancer patients, as well as people who even don't have cancer, obviously. We talk about patents, how the FDA approval system works. We also get into the impact of traumatic experiences on our body and how they can trigger cancer and disease. We talk about dysfunctional immune systems, the power of positive thought, and the role 
the plant-based diet has and how powerful it can be for cancer. It's absolutely a wonderful episode. I think that you're thoroughly going to enjoy it. I had a great time chatting with him. So without further ado, here is my interview with the inspirational Dr. Francisco Contreras. Hello, Dr. Francisco. Hello, Rebecca. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Welcome. I am so excited to have you on. Um, I feel like I'm, I've kind of, I'm having on a lot of your family because, um, I had on Daniel about a month uh-huh. ago and I, is he your nephew? My nephew? Yes. That's uh, one of my eldest daughter, uh, sister. I'm sorry. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah. So it's, it's very, I feel very privileged to be able to have on two, uh, of your family members on here because I feel like your whole family has just been there you are just amazing, you know, with, uh, your dad, I take it. It was your father who opened the Oasis of Hope hospital. Yes. Yeah. So have you been, did you work with him right when he opened it or you went to born into it? Uh, I worked a lot on the administration side with my mother as a youngster when, you know, getting back from school, uh, doing a lot of errands with her. But uh, very early on, I, I knew that I wanted to be a doctor and, I, and, and, and that I want to study medicine. And uh, later on, I found out, you know, as I grew up more and more about my father's work and, 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 and basically that's what I wanted to do. On the surgical side, more than on the clinical side, but, but uh, the inspiration uh, from my father was, uh, was very, very important in my life. Uh, to make a decision to dedicate my my life to help uh, patients, especially patients with cancer. That's amazing. And for those who have not looked up Oasis of Hope, in your own words, explain explain Oasis of Hope Hospital. The Oasis of Hope separates uh, from any other oncological center uh, philosophically from the point of view that... Um, our aim is to provide quality of life for an indef- indefinite period of time to our patients. Uh, whereas most of the um, oncological centers cent- center their, 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 their energy into destroying tumors. Mm. Uh, and, and, and so the difference is that uh, for us, destroying the tumor is important but it is much more important to keep quality of life. And since most of the therapies available to date are very toxic and very aggressive, many of those therapies that will destroy tumors, there's no question that chemotherapy can be very effective in destroying a tumor, will also destroy the quality of life of the patient. So we have integrated many methods of treatments, uh, uh, conventional and unconventional, to help our patients survive cancer, live with cancer, and, uh, uh, and enjoy life in the process. Hmm. That's so, that's so amazing. Just wonderful. And I wish that more hospitals were doing that. I mean, I feel, I'm sure that every single person who is listening right now, you know, has had some connection with cancer, whether that's, you know, a family member or a loved one. And I, I can name, you know, at least 10 people right now in the past few years that have, battled cancer and several of them who 
you know, have said that if they knew how bad the chemotherapy was going to be, they would, they would not have done it. And if they develop cancer again, which I know it's a pretty high percentage, sadly, of, of how many people will get it again. Right. Um, mm -hmm. that they will not, that they will not go through that again, you know? So what are your thoughts on, you know, the horrible side effects of chemotherapy, obviously and radiation and surgery and, um, just how do you overcome that? Yes, uh, there are, you know, a good number of instances where, where we will, you know, uh, um, recommend uh, chemotherapy or, or radiation therapy to our patients, mm -hmm. but in a very different way, always in, in, in uh, helping them uh, survive their cancer. For instance, if we have uh, a tumor in the main bronchi, and uh, you are not breathing and uh, you know your life will be counted in days and i tell you to eat um, um, carrots because they can fight tumor well those carrots are going to take months to reduce the tumor size and chemotherapy or radiotherapy will take days uh, well first i'm going to give you the chemotherapy for you to be able to breathe and then uh, I, I will offer the, the natural therapies that will take a long time, but will be more effective and uh, will keep the cancer away. Mm -hmm. uh, so nothing is absolutely right and nothing is absolutely wrong. It's just how you use it. And, the, and again, the philosophy behind it, it's very, it, it's very important to us and, and we believe that it's very important to the patients. So we try to avoid chemotherapy and radiation therapy and, and surgery, which is the least aggressive, it sounds at the beginning of it, what? Surgery is less aggressive than mm. chemo? Yeah. Uh, and, and so for us, those are the last resorts. And unfortunately, most patients see, because of the information that they have, uh, the alternatives as the last resort. Mm. And more and more, we're getting patients that come first to us than, you know, as the last resort. But um, it is all about information. And so that is uh, why I'm so thankful to you that, that, that you have me on to provide information to people, to let them know that there are many alternatives that are very eff effective and, and, and tremendously well supported scientifically uh, that are uh, there to help cancer patients uh, live longer and better. And sometimes even beat the disease altogether. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I I've uh, I have a loved one who uh, the last few years she went through um I think she just I don't think she did chemotherapy. I think she just did radiation, but I asked, you know, what what other options or not options, but wh what did they tell you to do, you know, like nutritionally or did they give you any advice and they basically didn't give her any, you know, they did they gave her no direction and I think that that is so sad that that's, you know, just become the, but, but I guess that's the way it is with kind of all Western medicine when it comes to kind of all disease. So I guess it's not surprising, but. But in cancer is almost criminal. Yeah. Well, right. It's very interesting that I hear from patients uh, asking their, their oncologists, you know, what should I eat? What shouldn't I eat? And they, and they tell them, ah, it doesn't matter. You know, diet doesn't play a role, but I want you to do a PET scan. Do you know how PET scans work, Rebecca? I do not know. Let me explain this in, in, in very simplistic terms. 
Um, a PET scan is a scan, it's a, 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 a um, Im imaging uh, test like a CAT scan. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a radi uh, radiology where we inject the patients with sugar. And this sugar is tagged with a radioactive material. And the reason why we inject them with sugar is because tumors are avid for sugar. Mm -hmm. And the tumors will uptake that sugar that, that has this radiation, radioactive material. And the tumors on the x-ray actually light up. Wow. And, and you, it's very easy to see. I call them x-rays for dummies. Because <laughs> you don't have to study radiology to be able to see that the tumor has lit up. Yeah. So we all know how it works. And so, I mean, if it, it would be the logical thing to say, well, if, if tumors love sugar so much, well, don't eat it. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, obviously. And, and yet they tell patients that diet has nothing to do with it diet you know we did a, a a revision of 17 clinical trials that we did here at the oasis of hope in the last um let's say 30 30 some years and i found that the common denominating factor of the patients that live long the long-term survivors mm -hmm. were the ones that kept their diet mm -hmm. more than anything else in the in, in the protocols so diet is a very important thing and it's not only, you know, that uh, you eat the correct things, but that you, that you uh, put the patients away from all the toxins that, uh, uh, that uh, the industry, uh, the food industry puts into the, into the food. Mm. Because the aim of the food industry is shelf life, mm. right? Right, right. You're going to make money as long as your product can stay on the, on the shelf for a long time. And in order to do that, well, you have to do a lot of chemical manipulation of the food. Ugh, yeah. And, uh, uh, and so if you don't inform that to the patients and then, you know, for them to start eating the food the way that God put it on this earth, well, they're, they're going to be eating all of those chemicals that are detrimental to their mm. health and very beneficial uh, uh, to, to, to the cancer. Now, isn't it interesting that uh, all the elements that we use are there for shelf life? So shelf life means that the, the, the uh, food is not going to rot. Mm -hmm. What rots the food? Well, bugs. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so logic would say that if the bugs don't touch, <laughs> the food, that we shouldn't either. So true. So true. You know, common sense uh, has left medicine a long time ago. It sure did. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some like time-lapse videos of, you know, food that they've just left out and, you know, it's a time-lapse of, of a month and it never breaks down, you know, and then it's like a, I don't know, a cheeseburger with its bun and then beside it is, you know, an orange or something like that. And obviously the orange is disintegrates and gets eaten up by microbes and whatnot. And the, mm -hmm. <laughs> the burger just looks just the same. <laughs> it hasn't changed. You're too young, but we used to have, when I was young, TV dinners. Oh, right. No, I know about those. <laughs> and you put those in the microwave. If you buy a TV dinner today and you keep it there in your fridge for 100 years, you could put it in the fridge and, and it would come, you know, looking very fresh. Gross. <laughs> but it's scary uh, the way that it has been kept. 
uh, alive or, or patent for such yeah. a long time, it, it has to it has to be very very devastating to our organism when we eat those things. Mm-hmm. I know, and it's so sad. People often say, "Oh, you are what you eat." You know, they say that, but they don't really think about it. It seems, you know. That's true. Yeah, I, mean, I think mo- most of us are worried about the weight, and I think it's important for us to worry about our, our weight. Right. But there's a lot more that goes on uh, in in what we eat than just oh. keeping our our figure. You know. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah. So what? Um, what are the, you know, the scientific, I'm all, every, everybody wants to see the scientific proof now, you know, like that's just the big word is like, well, show me the science. <laughs> so uh, as far as alternative trans- cancer treatments go, what, what are the top ones that have been shown scientifically, of course, to be the mm-hmm. most effective that y'all use? Well, uh, there, there's a lot of them. If you, if you go into PubMed, I don't know if you know that. Oh yeah, of course. I go to PubMed all the time. Okay medical publications are, you will find hundreds, if not thousands of papers published on natural elements that are very good against cancer. One of the best studied, and it was studied at the NIH and the NCI, is uh, vitamin C in very high dosages. It was proven to be as effective or as aggressive as chemotherapy in destroying tumor mass without any side effects. And so we developed a, a protocol based on those publications. There were about seven or eight publications where that was shown. And uh, we instituted that about 15 years ago here at the hospital. Yes, uh, late, um, the publications were from the late 90s, early 2000s. And by the time we did the protocol was probably uh, 2005. So yes, I'm, I'm, I think I'm... And we were able to, uh, to prove the clinical side of it. Now you say, well, how come that has not been published? And a lot of people believe that there is a conspiracy against natural therapies from the uh, from the um, mm-hmm. pharmaceutical industry, let's say, right. and and, uh, and from the government. It's not that. I, it's 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 sadder than that. But it's no conspiracy. What happens is that in order for you to promote a therapy uh, to a patient, you have to get approved by the FDA, correct? Right. If, if not, it's, 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 you, you can't do it. And people believe that whatever is FDA approved is good and whatever is not approved by the FDA is bad. Mm-hmm. And I was confronted by a, an oncologist uh, about this. How can you be using something that is not FDA approved? And I asked him, well, do you eat bananas? <laughs> <laughs> he was very mad because he got the point. <laughs> you know, they're not FDA approved, and yet you eat them all the time. Right. So it's a procedural thing. Now, why, do, why is it there, that procedure there? Because uh, I think the government has, a, has, has the, um, the obligation to uh, provide us with things that are in, in medical, in, in, especially in the medical realm, safe and effective. Right. Now, effect, effectiveness, efficacy is quite easy to prove, you know. It mm-hmm. either does the thing that you say that it's going to do, you know, get your blood pressure down or, or, or your glucose down or not. 
Now, safety is a, is a completely different matter because you can take something that is very effective in getting your blood pressure down, but it may kill you uh, right. from another thing, right? right? And safety studies take a long time and sometimes many, many years. And, and uh, so in order to prove to the government that your invention is safe and effective, right now the average cost is about $800 million. Wow. And, and so once, uh, so the industry said to the government, well, if, you, if you're going to ask me that, what are you going to give me in return? So the government says, I'm going to give you a patent so that with that patent, you are going to have a monopoly of your invention for 20 years for you to make your investment back. Mm. Now, I think that's logical and that's fair. Right. But if you go to the government and say, I'm going to um, develop a drug, a, a, a treatment based on vitamin C, uh, uh, and, and, and I want the approval, the government doesn't care that it's vitamin C. You have to prove that it's safe and effective. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you have to spend the $800 million. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> you will know that if you do not, uh, and then they say, but are you going to give me a patent? No, because vitamin C is a completely natural thing and I cannot give you a patent. Mm -hmm. So if, you're, if your product, you know, results in, in, effective, uh, in an effective uh, uh, treatment, you, because you do not have a patent, then anybody can make it immediately and you will never get your $800 million back. Right. Right. So that is why the industry is not interested in anything that is natural because they still have to prove that it's safe and effective. Right. I remember, um, uh, um, I, I think maybe 20 years ago, maybe less, that Ted Turner, who was the owner of CNN, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. announced to the world that he was going to donate $800 million to the uh, oh no, uh, uh, the United Nations. I wrote him a letter and I told him, hey, listen, why don't you donate the $800 million to prove that vitamin C is safe and effective? <laughs> because, you know, we don't have to make that money back. He never wrote back, but, but I... But, but darn I, it. I, I still, <laughs> well, At least you tried. Dollars <laughs> in, in, in the United Nations... But at any rate, that's 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 a, a but that's what what happens. So when people tell you uh, I I want to see the evidence, you will right. see evidence in the laboratory in 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 maybe up to animals, but never clinical trials because right. nobody's going to spend that kind of money because they'll 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 never get that. Um, their return Done. on investment is not, yeah, they don't, there's not as big right. of a return on investment because you, yeah, you no, can't zero. nature. <laughs> yeah, it's zero. Yeah. And, and $800 million is a lot of money. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, and, and there are very few people, there, there has n not been one willing to just give the, the, the money away. Mm. And that is very sad, you know, because there are several people that could do that. Bill oh Gates, yeah, uh, there's a, there's quite a few people that could that eight hundred million dollars would be you know a cup of coffee for you and me. 
Right. I know. It's like a parking ticket. I'm like, you know, it's yes. like nothing. <laughs> you were at the meter too long. It's like $8, you know. <laughs> so getting back to, 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 to the original question, and, and I'm sorry that I took No, so I, long, I'm I glad you, you went into that. It's the Thank only you. way to explain is show me the evidence. So we have done a number of clinical trials with natural elements. We were able to publish it in a non-peer-reviewed which, you know, people frown upon that, but at least we were able to publish them. And we have been able to prove over, over the years of the efficacy of, of natural therapies. Um, uh, but there is very little publications out there clinically on natural products. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally makes sense. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's the and way sad. it is. sad, yeah. I mean, I feel like like that with a with a lot of healing, uh, with all healing modalities, really that are natural. I mean, they're because they're so. Some of them can be are are so simple, really. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Like you know the the control of of, uh, of, of sugar. I mean, type two diabetes can be cured with diet. Right. <laughs> it's I know. But that's taboo almost. I mean, you know, it, oh, yeah. and it sounds, yeah, it sounds crazy or people think it sounds crazy because they've, they've been convinced that, you know, that it's just the sugar and they're not thinking about the fat that they're eating. Right. Yes. And, and for instance, uh, we have uh, many of our cancer patients are all, they that also have type two diabetes. And uh, so they go home without diabetes. Right. <laughs> Well, they go home without cancer and without diabetes. Win-win. <laughs> yes. It is just a diet. A diet and exercise can, can get it back. And, but but it's, it's discipline. And a lot of times we're, we're just not willing to do anything that is not easy. And so taking a pill or having a little injection. Absolutely. I mean, easier. yeah. And I think that that's, that's just the current mindset of our society now with you know allopathic allopathic medicine has created you know and that what i've learned is it kind of it kind of came about with the creation of antibiotics because which are amazing used you know mm -hmm. i mean obviously in the right situations i mean now they've been a little over prescribed but um but that did create this mindset that oh i can just take a pill and then everything will be fine <laughs> Yeah, that's that's where the you know the silver bullet bullet uh, idea came to mind. Yeah, and with, then with a, you're cured. You know, it's just one thing. Yeah, in our culture, I mean, we we like things, you know, snap snap immediately. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you probably had never waited for a letter in your life, right? Yes, I ha <laughs> I am not that young. <laughs> so. The generation below me, yes, but I used to have yeah. pen pals and. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but but I think that you you get the picture. People right now they 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 just want to snap their fingers because everything can happen so fast nowadays in in many areas of our lives. Why not in health? Well, because the body is a very complicated uh, uh, element. Uh, you know, it's just we're just. We're, we're wonderfully and, and beautifully made, but, but complicated. And but it complicated, takes yeah. Yeah, and then our lives are a lot more complicated 
as well than they used to be, you know, with mm -hmm. people's. Yeah, so there's a lot more stress. That yeah. definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So much more stress. And I mean, yeah, people are just running at 150 miles an hour and don't have time to barely breathe, you know, let alone cook an actual, you know, healing, healthy meal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and, and at one, you know, there are no free lunches, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And I think that people just, they, I mean, I think, I think cooking can be therapeutic. I mean, I get that people don't have a lot of time, but, um, you know, being connected to your food while you're cooking. I mean, it's just, it's a whole different, you know, kind of spiritual, it can be like a spiritual experience, I think. Um, and you have a, a different appreci appreciation for it as well when you cook it yourself. Why, why is um, a Thanksgiving and Christmas so important to us? Because we finally get to a place where our mother actually cooks. <laughs> No, and we sit down together. That's the saddest thing these days. People don't even sit down to eat. You know, it is yeah, and 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 that I do believe that plays a major role in the development of chronic illness. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we do at the Oasis of Hope is we provide uh, emotional and spiritual support to our patients because nowadays is everything is just so material, and mm -hmm. and we about the, our, our own emotional and spiritual needs. And uh, so, yes, that is a major, major. I think that also makes a big difference in why our results are so much better than in, in many other centers, right? You know, diet and everything, but that we also provide um, uh, food for the soul or medicine for the soul in, in, in our spirits. Right. So y'all have, when you say emotional and spiritual support, what, what does that look like for your patients? So we have a full-time psychologist here and a full-time pastor. Wonderful. And uh, because, you know, one of the, one of the, or, or many of the most uh, powerful immune stimulating agents are, are completely free. Laughter, hmm. meditation, music singing uh so we we do all of that here at, at the hospital we have uh, an every every day there's an hour where the patients just sit down and sing and pray and and oh. and, and, and share their lives um uh, problems with with uh, a pastor and the psychologist and i just believe that is one of the most important things that we can do for our patients and their immune systems yes so healing and nourishing um, that was, I, I, uh, a lot of my listeners will know that I, the reason that I got into holistic health and nutrition is because I had been, I was really sick about six years ago with an autoimmune disease and I essentially eventually healed myself. I tried lots of different things. Of course, the doctors told me diet didn't make a difference, even though I had uh, a GI disorder, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but diet doesn't play a role. <laughs> right. Wow. Um, yeah. But, and one, and I say that, you know, about 90% of my healing was going plant-based, but the other part, I, I couldn't get past that. And then it, it finally came to me that it was more, it was the mind and spirit part of it that was, that was blocking me, the emotional and spiritual side. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a big advocate for, for, um, for that and, and all the different ways that we can 
you know, meditation, yoga, um, yeah. And music, music is so healing. Um, yes. and just obviously like talking about your, like, you know, we, we, we internalize a lot of our emotions because our society is also convinced us that emotions are bad, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and you're not supposed to show your emotions, which then causes disease because you're keeping it all in. So that's also uh, a big portion of it, I think. That is very true. So here we encourage our, our, our patients to talk about it. We, you know, so many people go through so many terrible things in life. And uh, we, we almost always find an event mm -hmm. that triggered the disease. Right. Absolutely. Um, and it's so important for, for the patients to acknowledge that and to, and to be able to heal themselves from that. Sometimes, you know, uh, the, the, prob the problem cannot be resolved, but you can have victory over, over uh, issues in the past just by releasing the, the problem, you know. So we, we spend a lot of time with our patients our patients in that regard, and it's so healing. And that, you know, just it just allows the immune system to work uh, fully uh, uh, to the advantage of the patient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just those those stressors are, I mean, just stress in general and chronic stress or uh, emotional stress, all of those things are just wreak havoc on the body. Yeah. And and all of those have been proven to be very immune suppressive in a very ob objective way. We, we now have very good tools to, to uh, determine the, the capacity and the quality of our immune systems. And all of those uh, dysfunctional emotions um, um, will, will deteriorate the immune system. And I, you know, I, I separate dysfunctional from negative um, because um, we, for instance, tend to believe that or believe that love is a positive emotion, right? Mm -hmm. But if you fall in love with a crook, that's not going to function very well for you. <laughs> and, and, uh, and if you're mad, you're very mad that some people are suffering and you do something about it and you help them, well, then that anger was not negative, was, was actually very functional for you. So once somebody has, you know, spiritual fortitude, they will manage their emotions for them, uh, for those emotions to be functional for them. Mm. Because sometimes, you know, you, it, it's just impossible not to be angry. Yeah. But, but if, if you understand why and what's, you know, causing to you and the negative effects, you can convert then that negative and that dysfunctional part of the emotion to a functional part for you. So that is very helpful to our cancer patients because, you know, a lot of times they're, they're just mad at life or mad at God because it's so unfair. You know, last week we had a 47-year-old guy here die from cancer. He's just so young, left children. And, and uh, so there are so many that seem so unfair, but if you go through all your life, the wife, you know, that's so young, if she, if she will go all through her life with that uh, negative uh, things and being mad, who's going to develop a disease? Mm -hmm. and, and so 
people understand those those things because your cancer was basically it was just triggered by your genes and that's possible but that's very rare most of them were triggered by an emotional uh, um, um, crisis in your life mm, yeah i believe many diseases are like that not just cancer yeah i agree um i forgot which doctor one of the doctors that i follow his one of my favorite quotes is that uh, genes loads the gun and lifestyle pu- pulls the trigger, you know, and obviously lifestyle That's could be, good- yeah, you could include obviously emotional, <laughs> uh, traumas in that too, but very powerful. Definitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to, um, you know, like the state, the different stages of cancer and if y'all see, you obviously see people of, of all different stages, um, if somebody comes to you with stage four cancer and they've tried chemotherapy, you know, what, what is the next step for y'all at your hospital? That is what happens most of the time here. Most of our patients come here when they, you know, they hit the wall Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, uh, we're sent basically sent home to die that there's no, no more hope. And um, so we've been criticized forever for selling false hope. And, and to me, that's an interesting uh, and, you know, a discussion again with several scientists about that. And, and so I asked them basically, well, what, what do you expect? Well, you have to tell the patients, you know, the, the truth. And so what is the truth? Well, the truth is that statistically somebody with stage four is, is going to die. And so you just have to tell them that, that they're going to die. Also, that for you is hope. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, no, it's the truth. Well, well, then there is no false hope, right? There is only hope or no hope. Right. And, <clears throat> and uh, so imagine I told them that if, if you were generals in, in the Second World War, well, you, nobody would go to war <laughs> because <laughs> you're going to die. So you would be really bad generals. Right. You, you, you always have to have hope because if, when you leave somebody hopeless, then it's, it's one of the most devastating uh, uh, times of, of your life. Uh, and so we are always going to give hope to our patients. Why? Because... As long as their life, the possibilities of miracles exist, and they happen all the time. Yes. The fact that you get on your car and you get back home, it's a miracle, especially here in Mexico, maybe not in the States, uh, because we're very reckless drivers. So, <laughs> <laughs> miracles happen all the time. Why not for any of these patients? And I, we all know that we're going to die, right? Right. There's no, uh, that's nothing new. (laughs) What what changes everything is a date. And when a doctor gives a date is, is very devastating to a patient because they they look to us as a, as an authority. So, wow, the doctor told me that I was going to die in six months. I better die in six months. I can't disappoint my doctor. And, and it's, um, and so, it's, so you as a doctor are giving a patient a death sentence that, it, that you have no right to do. Um, 
So uh, hope is a very powerful element. I'm, and, and we know it as doctors. Why, why, do I, why do I tell you that? Well, you probably heard of, of uh, double-blind studies, right? Mm -hmm. The reason why we do double-blind studies is because what the patient believes can change the outcome of the result. Absolutely. So the, so the studies are done. One group knows uh, is going to take the drug, and the other one is not going to take the drug. It's going to take the placebo. Before the double blind, before the blind studies, they knew who was going to take the placebo and who was going to take the drug, and because and because that skewed the results, the researchers said, "Well, let's do it a blind that nobody knows." Mm -hmm. Okay, because what the patient believes sways the results. So we started doing blind stuff. Why did we do double blind stuff? Well, the double blind is when the doctor uh, can sway the results. What do I mean by that? So I'm gonna do a study and I tell the patient, you're gonna be taking this, but uh, you know this is the, the best thing since popcorn. And it's gonna be very good for you. Why am I telling that to the patient? Because I have stock in the industry that's producing the drug. And I can sway the results. And researchers notice that, or um, they notice that they said, well, we have to take away that the doctors know what they're doing. Uh, and, and only the computer is gonna be able to do that. And that's the double blind, where the doctors do not know who's taking the drug mm -hmm. and the patients do not know who's taking it. And that is very objective. So that means that our emotions and our beliefs can sway the results. Well, why shouldn't I exploit that in the right sense of the world? word? The Greeks did it, you know, uh, uh, 300 years before Christ. They had this, um, this uh, hospital temple. It's still standing if you ever are in Pergamum in, in Turkey. Yeah. And, and, and so they would be evaluated first in the temple uh, spiritually, then they would be treated physically, and the treatment area uh, is still there, the ruins are still there. And then every day they would walk through a, a dark tunnel. And in this dark tunnel, unbeknownst to the patients, they had people on top, and the holes are still there, you can see them. And while the, pa uh, the patients walked, the, the, these guys on top, we're saying to the patients, you're gonna be healed, you're gonna be doing well, you're gonna get out of this. And you know, the people thought that it was the gods talking to them. Oh, wow. They had wonderful results by wow. brainwashing people. Yes. I think that brainwashing ourselves, it happens whether you like it or not. Uh -huh. We all do it, you know? Uh -huh. Like you see this car and, and then they say, oh, it's a sign by God that I need that car. <laughs> We all do that. Uh, why not do it for the benefit of a cancer patient that has a death sentence, quote unquote, by uh, being stage four? Yes. Um, and, and that, and, and um, the reason why we call the Oasis of Hope is a patient of my father came many, many years ago from Italy, and he was sent home to die, and received the treatment. He comes back five years later, free of cancer, with a big present for my father, and tells him, I'm giving you this because this is an oasis of hope. 
So he's the one that gave us oh, our name. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. And, and, we're, and we're very proud of that. And we, I believe that everybody should always be hopeful, especially doctors. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a criminal thing to tell a patient, go home and die. Well, a, a patient last week told me that she's, she's with a stage four cancer of the ovary, very advanced, started having some very significant reflux uh, symptoms, goes to the doctor and said, you know, the symptoms, oh, well, since you have stage four cancer of the ovary, why waste our time? You're going to die anyway. <gasps> Imagine oh. that, that somebody would, would tell a patient something like that. Wow. Uh, so even if we can help a patient for one day, we are going to offer them hope. Yeah, how awful. <laughs> I can't imagine saying that to anyone. Not, I mean, certainly not a patient, but just your friend, anybody. Why would you say that? Oh, gosh. Exactly. And because they feel that they're very objective and that they're not selling false hope. That, and, and that's their uh, idea of hope. Uh, and I think they have it all wrong. I do too. Because hope is extremely powerful. Extremely mm -hmm. powerful. Yeah. Um, there was... I forgot what book it was. Maybe it was Andrew Weil or Spontaneous. I've read the book Spontaneous Healing and some other things, but you know, it's like the, the nocebo effect, right? Like you can create yeah. disease just as well as you can make disease go away. And by saying negative things to someone, I mean, you can essentially make them die or even quicker, it's, you know? Yes. There's a study that was published uh, on a um, experiment that they did uh, with 100 patients with breast cancer. And they told them 50, uh, 50 uh, we're going to take the chemotherapy and the other ones we're going to take the placebo. This is a double blind study. Mm -hmm. And so they told them, uh, 100 of them, they told them, you are going to take chemotherapy and very likely you're going to lose your hair because of the chemotherapy. 75% of the women that took the chemotherapy lost their hair. And 25% of the women that did not take it lost their hair wow that's how powerful yeah. our beliefs are right and, and so why shouldn't we use them for the benefit of the patient absolutely yeah so we continue to sell false hope <laughs> yeah i always want to be given some hope whether or not it's false or not i don't care <laughs> yes. tell me positive things don't tell me negative things <laughs> exactly yeah. So we, 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 we live negative things all the time. We yeah. We have to be more. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, you know, we're just bombarded by negative news, negative stories, negative, yeah, negative everything. And then, and in our minds, I mean, we have so much negative yeah. talk in general, all of us. It's just the, the, uh, the curse of being a human, I guess, but, you know, constantly second guessing mm -hmm. yourself or belittling. So, yeah. 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 So um, our mind is very powerful and we should use it for our benefit. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> 100%. I agree. Um, one of the other things I think that y'all, that y'all do there, which of course I'm a big advocate for is uh, plant-based nutrition. So what, t tell me about how y'all incorporate that for your patients. It's plant-based and, and low glycemic. Uh -huh. uh, 
Um, it is, it is, and, and there you can find, you know, thousands of, of papers published on the benefit of plant-based diet for, especially for cancer patients, mm -hmm. for other diseases as well, but especially for cancer patients. And the reason for that is that there are two elements that um, are manipulated by diet or in our bodies that benefit cancer. One is insulin, and especially sugar, but, but the production, the, what it causes in our bodies is insulin. So tumors will benefit tremendously from insulin. And, and so the, 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 the glycemic index of your uh, diet, the better that it's going to be for, for you as a cancer patient. And that, that is a proven fact. The second one is IGL-2 or insulin-like growth factor 2. And this element, this uh, hormone-like product, is elevated uh, when we consume animal protein. And so the less animal protein you consume and the less sugar you consume, the more your cancer is going to suffer. Because mm -hmm. it's not going to get those two elements that are very, very important for them to grow. And, and so as easy as that, that's a scientific basis for a plant-based low glycemic index diet. Now, uh, for a lot of people, this is very difficult to do. Uh, have you ever heard of the hallelujah diet? No, but that sounds fun. <laughs> it, was, it was instituted by a, a, a pastor and it's a, it's a plant-based diet, but raw. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Everything wrong. Right. And, 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 and it, this pastor had cancer and, and he was free of cancer after about six months of eating this diet. And um, uh, the other one is the, where our base, where we base our, our diet is the Gerson. Yes. Uh, I know diet. about that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, this thing started in the sixties. And, and they were proven to be quite effective. And, and so science was behind it. We, we didn't find out why they were so effective until, you know, probably 50 years that the Gerson diet was instituted. But uh, they're, they're both very difficult diets to do. For instance, the Gerson diet, it takes about eight hours of your day just to prepare it. Mm -hmm. And then it's very little fun to eat it. <laughs> the hallelujah diet is pretty much the same but then worse you you know you they ask you to eat uh raw corn and, and oh wow awful awful so if you start with a diet and and, and you're so and and this happens right you, you the cancer is overwhelming and you say, I'm, I'm gonna do whatever but if after eating that diet for three months you come to the conclusion that you rather die than <laughs> Well, then that's not the diet for you. Right. Uh, there, are, there are some people that emotionally diet is, plays no role and they can eat whatever and they'll be fine. So those people can have that. So our, our diet is a little bit lenient because, you know, uh, I want the best diet is the one that you can do. Mm -hmm. And so our diet is quasi-vegan. Uh, and, and so we allow our patients four small portions of protein a week uh, just for them, you know, to, to maintain their uh, sanity. Uh, uh, because for some people, it's very easy to, to convert to uh, uh, vegetarianism. Mm -hmm. But for some people, they just can't do it. 
So our diet is a little bit more lenient and then depending on the, on the personality of our patients, then they can go full plant-based or not. But there is no question that for a cancer patient, a completely plant-based diet, low glycemic, is the best diet for that patient. Mm-hmm. What, what percentage do you think of your patients can go, do go full plant-based versus? I would say that about 15 to 20%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, coming from a, you know, standard American diet or standard Western diet, it can be, it can be daunting at first. Yes. Yes. Now Indian patients, on the other hand, for them, it's, Oh yeah. Just the glycemic is what changes. Right. But but I but yes, uh, for most patients, not only Americans, okay, from all yeah. over the world, is the same. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've uh, a lot of us, a lot of humans love their animal products. So. <laughs> it's, yes. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and the worst is um, uh, that um, most people are addicted to. Um, how do you say from the industry from you know manipulated products junk food processed yeah highly processed processed foods that's thank you for the word to process food and and the reason is that a lot of those ingredients that they use in processed foods are very addictive especially sugar right well and i mean and like you were saying i mean they have scientists that they literally hire to to create these foods that also taste a certain way and then also You're make you right. want more of them are you, are you talking about the millions of dollars that was spent to do the uh mcdonald's fries I right oh. it's so interesting and and then and then they get us hooked i know i used to eat those fries i mean i'm guilty <laughs> when i was in high school and oh gosh the things i ate then but you know that's Neither here nor there. <laughs> now, I, if I tried to eat one of those fries, I would be repulsed because it does taste chemically. Now, you know, it has when you, when, you, when you eat really clean, it tastes weird. Mm-hmm. True. I remember, you know, when um, um, I live in Tijuana and, and most of my family is from Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, uh, it's a very large city, so they don't get fresh things there as easy as we get them here. Right. And and they would when they would come here to Tijuana, they were just astounded that you know of the taste of the natural things that they didn't eat anymore. Oh, so you're right. Yeah, the, the, we we train our, our our tongues. Yeah, yeah, and then we crave we crave whatever you know our whatever we're feeding our microbiome you know wants more of whatever that is. So right. it takes a it takes a little time. Uh, if you had to pick one of your most, obviously like you don't have to tell details or the names or anything, but one of your most amazing recovery stories in your almost 40 years of treating patients. There are so many, but, but the one that is very close to my heart is um, a very young patient that came to us 11 years old. Um, mm-hmm and the parents were fleeing from the States to Mexico because the, the government was going to take their child away because mm. they did not want it to do the chemotherapy. Mm. A patient with a lymphoma that had had 
first-line chemotherapy. The chemotherapy had failed this patient, and they wanted to do more aggressive chemo, and the parents said no more, and they brought it, uh, and, and they came to Mexico fleeing because the, the child was going to take away. Mm. And uh, so now she's a mother of three. Uh, she, they told her that she was never going to have children because of the chemotherapy, and chemotherapy is devastating to, to the ovaries normally. Right. Uh, now she's a mother of three. Um, uh, her husband is a pastor in Texas. Oh, wow. Just leading a, a wonderful life. That's one of the, you know, uh, I, because I've, I've known her for so long. She's like part of my family. Oh. She's, she's very dear, dear to me. Uh, but we have so many wonderful stories. I, I can tell you a story of a, a yuppie from New York uh, <laughs> with a, you know, just an incredible amount of tumor mass uh, that came to us. And I, well, I started to you know, cheer him up and give him hope. And he said to me, doctor, I don't, well, what are you talking about? Cancer is the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? Yes, you know, um, I, I'm here with my wife who was just about to leave me because I was never home. I had oh. three children I didn't know. And thanks to this cancer, now I spend all the time that I can with my children. And I oh. watch the sun every afternoon holding hands with my, life, oh. with my wife. Oh cancer my is the best thing that ever happened to me. And he passed away maybe um, uh, three years later. But, you know, for him, it, 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 it was worthwhile. And, and, wow. and, and that's, you know, it's a lesson to me that... So there are some people that can see things very clearly while most of us cannot. Right. Wow. So yeah, found the silver yeah. lining, definitely a silver lining there for him. <laughs> Correct. Correct. For him, it was just worth it that at the end of his life, he was able to, to, uh, to enjoy the, the really important things in life and not just making money and working all the time. Right. So there are many, many. Oh, I'm sure. That, sure. Um, and so uh, it's it's tough you know to to deal with uh cancer patients but uh it's also very very rewarding absolutely absolutely well i appreciate you coming on so much i know you you're an author of 12 books which is incredible <laughs> and yes. you have a new one that just came out the art yes. and science of undermining cancer tell it tell me about that well, um, I've, I've written a lot about health, and, and like you, I was uh, moved by the fact that uh, there, people are so ill and, and having the chance of enjoying a lot more. So, you know, I, I heard uh, something said many, many years ago that now it's, it's, uh, it's very well known, you know, that you can add uh, uh, years to your life, but the most important thing is to add life to your years and so um that's why i started writing and in this latest book uh, there's a lot so much more information you know from from the scientific realm and uh so i i i, I explain in this book how you can live your life in a much better way so that you can live longer and but actually enjoy life for a longer time because the the average um, lifespan has been definitely prolonged. But, you know, most people after 65 are taking seven or eight different drugs. 
and suffering from side effects of those drugs, and they're not really enjoying life. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was the aim of the book. And, and, and the second aim is uh, to explain to, uh, to people what is it that we do at the Oasis of Hope and, and, and why we have been so uh, effective in, in helping cancer patients uh, from all over the world. And, and so I'm, I'm very, very proud of, of, of this book. It's a very easy read, uh, uh, lay terms all day, very, yeah, very interesting and touching stories uh, that uh, depict uh, what I'm talking about and, and how uh, people can benefit from it, not only patients. And, and again, giving hope to patients. The message is that if you have cancer, it is not a death sentence that there's a lot of things that you can do and that miracles happen all the time. Amazing. I think that's the, certainly the theme of this episode is, is hope, which, which we all need more of. So thank you so much. It's been such an honor. You are just an amazing, amazing doctor and amazing person. And um, I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Rebecca. God bless you. Thank you. Peace and plants. Don't you feel inspired? I feel inspired. I always feel inspired <laughs> talking to about this subject and talking about the healing powers of the mind, body, spirit, nutrition, uh, and the power of hope, which I think, you know, is something that should always be discussed and having faith and hope in your body and in your, and, and to really truly believe it in your soul, uh, can have miraculous, absolutely transformative, um, outcomes. So always have hope. You know, I know that sometimes it can waver. I have been there. I have, uh, can empathize with it wholeheartedly because I had that exact experience when I was healing from an autoimmune disease and I started to lose hope. I just didn't think that it could happen. But when I shifted those thoughts, that is when the magic happened. And that is when, true change happened within my body. So never lose sight of hope. And if you do start to lose sight of hope, try to find those those ways to, to gain it back, whether that's connecting spiritually, um, you know, connecting with others, laughing, dancing, music, whatever it is that makes, makes your soul light up in a positive way. Uh, try to incorporate that. So with that, I will leave you I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did in recording it and then re-listening to it. And you can find out more about the Oasis of Hope on their website. I will link that in the show notes, of course. And until next time, my lovely, beautiful friends, peace and plants. <laughs>